0: One thing that we're going to be doing is that we are going to have a, like, secret special code word that we're going to give you guys each week. And so every week that you're here or if you miss a week but you listen to the message on our website, you can go to northpoint.org and you can find all of our messages each week. So if you miss a week, you can listen to it. Colin and I are going to give you guys a secret code word. And so what you're going to do is then you're going to get on Instagram Uh, and send us a message, or email us, or um, I would say text us, but I don't really want all of you to text me, but you let us know that you were here, you tell us the secret code word, we're going to keep track of how many of you were here each week telling us the secret code word, then at the end of five weeks we're going to do a drawing, so every time that you're here and you put the send the secret word back to us, we will put your name in the drawing another time, All right. And then at the end of the five weeks, we're going to do a drawing for this super awesome, super swag bag that we're going to put together. We're going to be making new shirts soon that we're going to sell you guys. But the winner will get a new shirt for free. It'll have gift cards in it. It'll probably have stickers in it. It might have a book in it. Maybe it'll have a tape cassette in it. I don't know. It could have all kinds of stuff in it. All right. So you're definitely going to want to win it. Every week that you're here, send us back the secret code word. We'll put you on that list again. We'll put you in the drawing. If you're here every week for the next five weeks, we will double your chances of winning and put your name in the drawing ten times, all right? So you want to be here and bring your friends, okay? Sound good? So this week, your first super secret code word, take out your outline, write it on your outline or something, or you could even just send us a message. No, don't, don't use your phone right now. Write it on your outline. Your code word is sunscreen. All right, sunscreen. Huh? That, did you just say that's a word? Yeah, it's a word. What did you say? Send it to us on Instagram or email me. Say, hey, AJ, I was at church, and you said sunscreen. That's all you need to say, sunscreen. What? It's my name at northpoint.org. You'll find it. It's not hard. It's not hard, okay? Put your hand down. No, no, stop it with your questions. Sunscreen, okay? That's enough. We're not talking about the secret code word anymore, sunscreen. Let me pray for you, and then we'll get into this message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. God, we love you so much. Jesus, you are our portion, you are our provider, you're everything that we need, and tonight, would you just speak to us, would you speak through these words, Um, and would you just show us more about uh, your word, and about yourself, and how much you love us, and what you've called us to. So be with us over the next 20 minutes or so, give us a great evening as we uh, spend time together playing games and doing other stuff, but God, ultimately, um, would tonight be about how much we love you. So in Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so you guys have your outlines out now. You can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to be tonight. We're going to start in Luke chapter 2. But first, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about, like, myself, when I was about your age in church. See, you guys might, might, uh, might kind of think this same way, but maybe you don't realize it. See, I viewed myself as a consumer of the church, right? I viewed myself as a consumer of the church and I thought that my church existed to entertain me, Um, to serve me, right? And I thought that, like, man, if I'm not growing in my relationship with God, that it's probably, like, the church's fault that my leaders weren't doing a good enough job. I would often go to church with a critical attitude, looking at things and going, man, that song's not very good or that message wasn't very good. And you guys are probably thinking that right now. You're probably thinking, AJ's not very good, right? Or you think, man, Colin sounds, he's got the voice of an angel. Yes, you do, right? Right? And so it caused me to be like critical of my church. And it's, I started to like look at other churches and judge my church against them. And you guys might even do that. We know students do that all the time. There's even times still that I do that. And I see other churches that, you know, bigger and they have better, you know, like more budgets and more. They've got like a bull that you can ride. And they, well, I don't know. They have all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, man, if only we could do that, right, because I was a consumer of the church. And I imagine that a lot of you guys find yourselves feeling that way at times, too. You may not even realize it, but you might find yourself thinking, like, after a service, like, oh, that wasn't funny enough. Oh, that wasn't good enough. Oh, I wish they played this song. You know? You guys understand what, what I'm saying? You guys get that? How many of you have ever left church, either showed up or left here with a critical attitude? Anybody? It's okay to admit, right? Right? Sometimes we don't go. Sometimes we think, like, oh, I don't want to go to service. We've had some of you guys tell us, like, I wasn't going to come tonight. I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, I know. It wasn't you, but thank you. (laughs) Right? I just, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. (laughs) Anybody guilty of that? Right? I don't know. I just have, have better things to do. I don't know. Someone told me tonight, I forget who it was, but, like, one of you was like, I don't know, I could, I, oh, yeah, it was you. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to point you out, but it was. Um, I just got excited because I remembered who it was, and you, I, why did I have to come so early? I could still be asleep. It's summer. You don't need to sleep at 630 at night. You did, too, say that. Don't even let, not you, Abby. She was never sleeping. She's a non-sleeper. All right. We all do that. But tonight, I want to talk to us about, like, how should we really view the church? What's our responsibility? What's your responsibility as a teenager? How should you view the church? What should your expectations of your time at church be like, right? If you show up thinking, man, I hope AJ's good tonight or I hope Colin's teaching tonight or whatever, is that the right mindset? We're going to answer that tonight, but thank you, right? So what is the example that we see from Scripture? How do we act as students, right? You guys may have people, like you guys might have heard things. We're going, I'm going to touch on this in a little bit, but you guys might have heard things like, oh, man, you're the next generation. And people say it like it's a good thing, like, oh, I'm excited about the next generation, And they make it seem like, man, like you guys just aren't there yet, right? Like someday you'll be in charge, or someday you'll be good enough, or someday you'll be old enough to like be a leader in the church. But tonight I want to talk to us about like what is the biblical example that we see And our primary goal as believers is to be Christ-like, right? You guys know that, like our number one, like the thing that we do, the way that we live life the most successfully is that we are Christ-like. That should be our number one pursuit, to love God and love others, and we do that by being Christ-like. So what is Jesus' example of what a student looks like? Have any of you guys ever wondered what Jesus was like as a kid or as a teenager? Yeah, some of us have. Some of us have. If you know uh, the Jesus story well, you know that the Bible doesn't really talk about Jesus as a kid very much, right? There's actually one story that we find, just one story, in the book of Luke, chapter 2, which is where we're going to be tonight. And uh, it shows us what Jesus was like as a teenager, all right? And this shows us our example of how we should view our lives and the church, okay? Okay? Because you guys are called to be Christ-like just as much as your parents and your grandparents are called to be Christ-like. Okay? So what is Jesus' example that he has set for you? So let's check this out in Luke 2. If you're in your Bible, we're starting at verse 41. It says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. How many of you are 12? How many of you guys that are here are 12? All right. A lot of you at 12. Um, but only a few of you are actually 12, okay? All right, so this is when Jesus was like seventh grader, okay? Jesus was a seventh grader, all right? After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Pause real quick, I want to clarify that. Um, it can, what? <laughs> she ran out of storage. All right, if any of you guys think this is weird, I have to, like, film tonight for a class that I'm in, so. Okay, please don't. (laughs) All right? Okay, so Jesus is in seventh grade. Uh, They go to this festival that they would go to every year, and uh, I want to clarify, like, the part that says at first Jesus' parents didn't miss him. It's not like they were like, oh, good, Jesus is gone. Um, They... They, were just, they would travel in very large groups, like a caravan. They'd have a lot of people that would travel together. And so what this is telling us is that they had just assumed he was with other people in their caravan. You can even think of it like um, the people in the like, wagon trains that traveled across America, right? Traveled west. He, maybe Jesus is just you know hanging out with another family in another wagon with another donkey, okay? So it goes on to say, but when he didn't show up that evening... They started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Okay, so here's where they find Jesus after a handful of days, and he's back at the temple hanging out with like the, basically they'd be like the pastors, right? Okay, he's hanging out because he wants to know more about God and he wants to ask questions about God, okay? Which, side note, I think is pretty interesting that Jesus is legitimately spending time learning about God. Jesus is God. I don't think Jesus had to, like, inquire about himself, right? Right? But he legitimately wanted to spend time in God's word and with God's people, knowing about them and also being an example to them. That's going to come into play in a second. So his parents find him in the temple after several days. It says, his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. He goes uh, on to say, but why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? but they didn't understand what he meant, right? So like, Mary is like, Jesus, your father and I were worried sick. Has any of you, any of you guys like missed curfew and your mom's like, we were worried sick. Megan, no? Well, that's because you don't miss curfew. Yeah, exactly, all right, right? We were so worried about you. Do you think like, do you think it was hard parenting God? I do. Because, like, Mary knew that Jesus was God. So, like, that had to kind of change her her parenting style, you know? Do you think Jesus as a kid was, like, kind of annoying? You know? Maybe a little irresponsible. I mean, because Jesus was perfect, but, you know, little kids, are they're weird, right? So there was probably a time where Mary was, like, Jesus, you stop at this instant if you'd like. <laughs> or so help me God, you. <laughs> right? Like that had to be weird. Okay, anyway, back to it. Okay. So then they returned to Nazareth uh, and he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. All right. So they've lost Jesus, and after several days, right, they realize, like, hey, God's not with us anymore. Um, imagine how nervous you would be if you were like, oh, my gosh, we lost God, right? That'd be bad. So they go and find him, and he's in the temple, and he, his response to them is, don't you know this is where I, where I had to be? Why'd you even look for me? Of course this is where I wanted to be. You should expect that I want to be in my father's house, right? Right? And then I love the part of the the end of the story where it says that he returned and was obedient to them and his mother stored all these things in her heart, right? They're like cherished memories, okay? She would look, think back fondly on them. Like I can just imagine, you know, Jesus is like going to prom or something. He's doing some, like it's a handful of years later and she's like fixing up his robe, right? His prom robe, And she's like, oh, I just remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday when your father and I had lost you for an entire week. And we found you at church with a bunch of old people. Right? It's precious, isn't it, to think about. Oh, I had this joke written where Mary was, I forgot it, but I had this joke where Mary was like, you know, that's what I was going to say was that, Jesus, clean up your room, right? There's robes everywhere. Okay. So imagine I said that five minutes ago. (laughs) What? Okay. Hold on. So I had this joke and I missed it. And so I'm just going to, so Mary, do you want me to repeat it? Oh, Jesus, clean up your room there's robes everywhere. Yeah, got it. Okay. (laughs) Robes. (laughs) Would it have been better if I said sandals? Okay. All right. But seriously, all right, we're joking around, but this is exactly what our example from Jesus is that we should be as a teenager, right? Yeah, we joke around, right? We joke around but this, Jesus is setting the example for us of what you guys should be like. This is what 12-year-olds should be like, right? This is exactly what Jesus says we should be doing. Just like Jesus says to his parents, why did you even look? You should expect that I'm in my father's house doing my father's business. You should be expected to do your father's business. Your primary goal should to be about God's business right? In fact, that's your first fill-in. Fill it in. Be about God's business. We got to pay attention, all right? Be about God's business. 12-year-old Jesus says, the thing I want to do most is to be in my father's house learning about him, and that's the example that he set for you. As a believer, you're called to be Christ-like, and what does that look like? It looks like someone who wants to spend time with, and learn more about God, right? We shouldn't put off till later, get off the stage. We shouldn't put off till later what God wants us to do now, right? So often we have this attitude like, oh man, when I'm older, that's when I'll pray. Or when I'm older, that's when I'll wake up and have a quiet time. Or, or you know, when I'm older, that's when I'll serve in the church or that's when I'll be ready to do this or that. Or I'm just not there yet, Right? But the Bible teaches us that, that no, you should be doing stuff like that now. If you love God, if you say that you believe what the Bible says, then you should be doing those things now. You should be about God's business now. And if you're older than 12 and you're not doing that, you're behind. Right? So get about God's business. Do the things that he wants you to do that he calls us to to do you should wake up every day wanting to know more about God wanting to grow closer in relationship with him don't let people tell you that man you're not you're not old enough like you're not mature enough right like oh you need to have some like kitty lesson or something like that 1 Timothy 4:12 Paul writing to his his uh Uh, friend, and, and Paul was like a mentor to Timothy. Timothy was this young man, and Paul's writing to him, and he says these encouraging words to Timothy and to all of us. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity, right? The Bible tells us Paul is writing, right, And what we read is that, man, don't let people talk down to you because you're young. And it's not just that. It's not just that because when I was in junior high and high school and I only heard the first part of this verse, like don't let people talk down to you because you're young. And I used to think that was it. That's where it ended. But what it really is saying is that no matter your age, you should be an example to other believers in the way that you talk, in the way that you live, in the way that you love, the faith that you have in God, and in your purity. You're called to a higher standard as a believer no matter what your age is, right? So there's no... Oh, when I'm older. And there's no like, oh, well, I just want to, I love, I believe in God, but I just want to have fun. And when I'm older, then I'll like settle down. Right? For too long, I already kind of mentioned this, but for too long, the phrase the next generation has been used inappropriately. Man, when I was your age, I was a part of the next generation of the church. And my parents, when they were our, you know, your age, they were the next generation of the church. You're not the next generation of the church. You're this generation of the church. Jesus showed that with his example. Jesus didn't sit by and wait until he was 30 years old to start loving his father, God. You're not the next generation of the church. There's no magic time in your life where you're ready or you're never gonna get to a point where you're good enough or you're prepared enough for the things that God calls you to. Man, so often we let the world tell us like, oh, we have to get to a certain place. We have to become good enough. If anybody in the church makes you feel like it's about being good enough, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Because none of us are good enough. We're not. We're not going to be. The only way that we're made good is through the work that Jesus did on the cross and the grace that we receive from that. So if you feel like you're just waiting until you're a certain age to do the things that God has called you to, like, man, like, I feel like you know, God wants me to tell people about him, and when I'm older, I'll become a pastor. What are you waiting for? right? Fill this in. You're never too young to live for God. Jesus didn't wait to learn about God. He didn't wait to be about his father's business. We shouldn't have this attitude that someday we'll do more or someday we'll get involved. You hear us talking about like, man, get involved, start serving in the church. And you think, ah, yeah, later. No, not later, now. You're called to be a part of the church. And if you think that for right now, the church is just a place that you come and you you just come here to learn about God or experience God or maybe be be entertained or man, I can only worship when we're singing three songs and they better play my favorite song because if they don't, I just can't worship good enough, then you know what? You have the wrong expectation of the church and you're being a consumer. And if you believe in Jesus, you're no longer a consumer you're a seller. Right? The church does not exist to impress you. And we would do so much more if we knew that. The church does not exist for you to get on your Instagram and be like, oh my gosh, check out what Stephen Frederick said today. I mean, that's cool. But the reason we share what other pastors said, or we share worship songs. It's so that people will know the love of Jesus Christ, not so that we can show how impressed we were by a clip. And if you're a consumer of the church, you need to change your expectation of what the church is going to do for you. Because no longer are you here as a consumer. If you're a believer, you are here with a job. You are here as my coworker. High school students, you are here as Colin's coworker. If you believe in Jesus and you have that faith in Jesus, you have a relationship with Him and you're saved, right? You've made that step. You're Colin's coworker, Floppy. Colin's coworker, you just follow Him wherever He goes. Okay. You don't get to show up with a critical attitude towards our service. You don't get to show up with this mindset that, man, I hope AJ's good tonight. No, you show up and you link arms with us and you say, let's do this thing. We got work to do. You know why? Because you have friends that don't know Jesus and it's your job to bring them. Because if you know who Jesus is and you know what he's done to save your life, it's your responsibility to share that with other people. So you don't get to just show up here for yourself. You now get to show up here because you have work to do. You understand what I'm saying? You guys are here now because you make this happen. I'm not the church leader. We are the church and we lead this church together. You understand? Your final fill-in, just write this in, is that we all have a role to play. We all have a role a role to play. And it's not a joke. Guys, it's serious. When you get to know Jesus, it should be important to you that other people know him too. And if I need to say it as simply as I can, guess what? You were dead because of your sin and you were going to go to hell. And because you have a relationship with Jesus who died for your sins and came back three days later, you have eternity in life and your friends don't until they know Jesus. You understand? So we get to work together in that. So every week, instead of like showing up, just hoping that church is going to be good for you or wondering if you're feeling it or not, you are feeling it. You have a role to play here. God created every single one of us on purpose. There's not a single person in this room that was a mistake. There's not a single part of you was a mistake. God created you the way he did on purpose because he has a job for you. You understand? And God can work with us or without us, but man, he wants to include us in the work that he is doing. He wants you to be on the front lines with him. He wants you to go to bat for him, to share him with your friends And what that looks like is that you guys are inviting people here. You're talking to them at school and at home and when you're playing Minecraft or whatever, you're talking to them about what you believe. And if you wonder how to do that, we can talk more about that. Because, man, that conversation can be hard. But how many of us have ever said to a friend, hey, you know I go to church, right? Can I tell you about that? Can I tell you why? It's tough. It's scary. But if you love Jesus, you can cast those fears away. Because he'll give you the strength, right? So seriously, guys, you guys should show up here ready to, like, work with us. I want you guys to imagine the change that could take place in your friends' lives and in this city and whatever... If we all were to work together to reach your friends, it's not my responsibility. It's not just me and the leaders that I gotta come find your friends. You know where they're at. God's got a job for you because he wants you to be about his father's business. He wants you to be start, he wants you to start talking to people about what you believe. That's exactly what baptism is. Baptism is an opportunity for you to stand in front of your friends and your family and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. And so I'm taking this opportunity to stand in front of you and share that with you. So in just a moment, we're actually, we're going to have a baptism tonight. So I'm going to pray, and then you guys are going to head on out to the baptismal, and uh, we will meet you out there for our baptism, all right? Because someone has taken it upon themselves to say, you know what, I love Jesus, and I want to stand in front of people and and declare that. And so whether it's through baptism or just through you inviting your friends to church, that's our call. 12-year-old Jesus knew, I need to be about my father's business. And that's what you're called to as well. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. God, we love you so much. And uh, God... You are everything to us. Um, as we wrap up tonight, God, would you just encourage us and remind us that uh, that we are just called to love you first and foremost, and that we're called to work for you in whatever season or setting that we're in in life. Our job is to be about your business. So, would you encourage us with that tonight? Would you show us ways? this week, that we can be uh, working for you. And God, uh, would you just remind us that we love you and uh, give us a great rest of our time together tonight as we have a baptism and then a great game to play. Uh, But God, we, we just love you so much. We thank you for this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.